0: Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long.
1: And welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. We're going to give you a state house update on this program. Also tonight, uh, President Biden will be giving his State of the Union address. And we understand that the newly elected governor of Arkansas will be giving uh, the response. That's uh, Ms. Huckabee. Uh, that's Mike Huckabee's daughter, who won the governorship in the November election. She'll be giving the Republican response. So that ought to be interesting. Uh, interesting. Of course, she used to be the press secretary for President Trump. And so Sarah Huckabee will be giving the response to the Republicans tonight. We understand that the president's going to be talking about uh, drug addiction, uh, fentanyl, uh, that's uh, coming over the southern border. We've addressed that on this program. Uh, It might be something where there's synergy on this one, where both the Republicans and Democrats want to get something done, uh, possibly raising the threshold of penalties of those who traffic in the deadly drug of fentanyl that has been a scourge in our country and literally killing thousands of people on fentanyl. Uh, Governor DeWine has addressed this issue over the years, and uh, here in the state of Ohio we have had an epidemic of drug addiction. We're going to have uh, Greg Delaney back on the program to discuss that in the future. He works with recovery programs here in the state of Ohio, uh, Pastor uh, Delaney, and uh, he himself uh, recovering from uh, alcoholic and so uh, from addiction. And so he knows how to address these issues, and uh, he's got some great programs. We're going to be talking about that, uh, but we'd like to hear what the president has to say along those lines tonight. He's probably going to talk to us about the economy, and I'm not so sure that that's accurate, that the economy is doing well, because every day in the news we're hearing about thousands and thousands of layoffs from uh, America's Fortune 500. The first place to cut uh, expense is employment, the employment roles of companies, and that's where they're going. Uh, it seems to be that they're cutting tens of thousands of employees across the board. So it will be interesting to hear the rebuttal from Miss Huckabee tonight. We also want to talk to you about the state house. Uh, of course, we on this program talked about the sixty percent threshold. That is raising the the threshold of a constitutional amendment. Uh, ballot measure to 60% for passage. Currently, it's a simple majority. Uh, when someone circulates enough signatures to go on the ballot on a constitutional amendment uh, proposal, and that would put it as part of Ohio's constitution. We've done this over the years uh, with certain ballot measures. Unfortunately, even casino gaming, uh was put in the Ohio constitution. You'll remember that for over 20 years, our organization, with a number of faith organizations, fought the expansion of gambling in Ohio, were successful. However, a few years ago, they were successful and able uh, to get it passed with early voting and ba- basically stuffing the ballot box. Uh, and people right here in Calga County, you might as well just say it, uh, they the most of the votes for it came in, out of Calga County, which put them over the top, giving us four casinos. And uh, gambling expansion is not a good idea, folks, and I know a lot of you understand that, and uh, it's, it's, uh, it's an addiction for a lot of people. We hate to see that sports betting was uh, legalized in the state of Ohio. That has already met with so many problems for our young people, and it, it's at a time we don't need it, uh, certainly in this state. But unfortunately, uh, the powers that be in Columbus went ahead and advanced uh, gambling and uh, sporting events. Uh, this last term. So uh, with that, uh, back to the 60 percent threshold, the idea is to raise the threshold to 60 percent. That way you would have to have at least 60 percent of those that go to vote on it uh, for its passage. Well, why is that important? Well, uh, the Ohio Christian Alliance with pro-life organizations around Ohio have been discussing uh, safeguarding Ohio's pro-life legislation that we've worked on for uh, the last 30 years and specifically the last 20 years, where we have a 20-week ban on abortion. We have the heartbeat bill uh, here in Ohio, uh, which is currently working its way through the courts again now, the state courts. Uh, And uh, it's going to be for the state Supreme Court. It should be upheld and reenacted, and that would save babies' lives. We have a Down syndrome ban. We have a ban on partial birth abortion. Uh, We have parental rights laws in this state. All of those pro-life measures were passed in the Ohio legislature over the years by the hard work of uh, pro-lifers across the state to lobby their representatives to pass these bills. Well, here comes NARAL, Planned Parenthood, Pro-Choice Ohio, and they're announcing a ballot in issue, uh, a constitutional amendment, either for the November ballot of 2023 or... November of 2024. Let's go to a state house news clip that addresses this issue as uh, the clock has run out on getting the 60 percent threshold on the May ballot. And we made a statement about that. The newly elected speaker, uh, Speaker Jason Stevens, he made some kind of agreement with the Democrats because he was voted by a majority of Democrats, not Republicans. Only 22 Republicans voted for him. 32 Democrats. The question has been, uh, what kind of agreement did he make with the Democrats? Well, it looks as if the 60 percent threshold was one of the agreements that he made with them, and he delivered for them as time ran out at the end of January. It had to pass by then and placed on the the, uh, May ballot by February 1st. Obviously, that didn't happen. And to the chagrin of many pro-lifers in the state and other legislators who wanted to see it on the ballot, and we're supporting it. So now he has come out to say that it may go on the November ballot. But let's listen to this report from the Statehouse News Bureau. Ohio lawmakers didn't pass a proposal to ask voters to make it harder to pass future constitutional amendments in time for the May ballot. House Speaker Jason Stevens said the proposal to require at least 60 percent voter approval for amendments could end up on the November ballot. Key Republican leaders have said it would make it harder to pass protections for abortion rights, but Kelly Copeland with Pro-Choice Ohio cautions against doing that this fall. If we need to beat back a 60 percent threshold and pass a reproductive freedom ballot initiative at the same time, we will. Copeland's group and others have hired a national campaign strategy company to prepare to bring the issue to the ballot, but she says they haven't decided to go for it this November or next. Joe Ingalls at the Ohio Public Radio Statehouse News Bureau. So what I want to share with you, our listeners, is that uh, there's been a lot of talk about when will they go to the ballot. Well, it looks as if, and if you heard there in the chagrin in the voice of uh, Pro Choice Ohio, that if this ballot measure now goes on the November ballot, um, they may not have their measure on the November ballot. We could pass the 60% threshold in November, and then they would have to get 60% of the vote to uh, push abortion on the ballot of 2024. Let's all pray that that's the case. So, so what Let's play it out here a little bit. What do they have to do? Well, they've yet to release their language uh, of what they want on the ballot. So let's say if they wanted it for the November ballot of 2023, they would have had to release that in the next couple of weeks as to what the ballot language would be. The ballot language is then reviewed uh, before the state attorney general. That's anybody uh, has to go before the state attorney general. Uh, that generally is reviewed uh, one, two, three different times, no matter who you are, whether you 're a conservative group or a liberal group uh the a g s attorneys will look over, scrutinize the language to see if it lines up with constitutional uh provisions uh before it would be allowed to they would be allowed to circulate for petition but yet there's one other committee that has to approve it, and that 's the ballot board and again, that may be a process of one or two times. These all are weeks of delay before they can begin to collect signature number one. Now, they're going to have tons of money. We're talking, who we talk about? We're talking about NARAL, National Abortion Rights Group. We're going to, a league, and we're going to talk about Planned Parenthood and the uh, pro-choice Ohio. Uh, Others will be trying to push abortion through the ninth month here in the state of Ohio, wiping out all of our pro-life laws folks, we can't let that happen. We must safeguard the lives of the unborn and continue defending life. That's what we do at the Ohio Christian Alliance, and we believe that's what you do too, and we hope so. Uh, By the way, our website uh, to visit us is Ohio Christian Alliance. That's OhioCA.org. Just search that. And uh, actually, our newsletter that we just put out for the month of November is there, and it says, uh, latest email by... uh, Go ahead and click on that, and you'll see the full uh, November, uh, February uh, newsletter, that is. And we hope that you'll be able to read some of the things that we've been doing at the Ohio Christian Alliance. Let me say this. Last week, when we had the opportunity to take in the State of the State address that Mo- Governor Mike DeWine delivered to a joint session of the Ohio House and the Ohio Senate, we also took the opportunity to present a few members of the Ohio General Assembly with framed copies of the Ten Commandments, Hanging in their office, and I was joined by Pastor Al Davis, who is a board member. Also, he is uh, on the programs here on WHKW of Live with Pastor Al. Also, Pastor John Coates of Greater Columbus joined me. Uh, Both men are advisors to the committee of the Ohio Christian Alliance, and we presented uh, Representative uh, Hall with a framed copy of the Ten Commandments for hanging in his office. Also, newly elected. State Senator Michelle Reynolds received a beautiful framed copy of the Ten Commandments for hanging in her office. Now, this is something we started 20 years ago at the Ohio Christian Alliance. And over the years, we've been able to present over 250 members of the Ohio General Assembly uh, and also statewide office holders with framed copies of the Ten Commandments for hanging in their office over the years. And so it's been a great tradition. We've been doing it for 20 years. It's the law of God, the Ten Commandments, and I'll tell you, it's it's a blessing to the legislators and the people that visit them and see this beautiful framed copy of the Ten Commandments hanging in their office, and that's one of the works that we do with the Ohio Christian Alliance. Uh, I'm going to tell you about the D-Day Prayer Project, of course, give you an update. It is now open to the public. It is completed, open to the public in Washington D.C. And Sylvia and I, my wife and I, had an opportunity to visit. D.C. just a uh, few weeks ago and take pictures and to see the prayer in its completion and actually meet with some families. I'm going to tell you about that on the other side of the break. Uh, we'll be back in just a few minutes, So don't go away
2: this is molly smith president of cleveland right to life and chair of bringing america back to life convention with an invitation to hear nationally renowned speakers such as attorney mark payoletta co-editor of the recently published book created equal clarence thomas in his own words mark served for a decade as chief counsel for a powerful u.s house of representative committee where he managed nearly 200 investigative hearings alex schattenberg from the world-renowned euthanasia prevention coalition based in canada in all, 12 presenters will provide insight and education on how media, science and legal decisions affect the sanctity of life debate and will address the escalating pro-life challenges confronting our culture. Join Bob France for this unique outreach designed to equip and engage all those involved in the most significant civil rights issue of all times, the Right to Life. Our event has sold out of booth space and participation tickets for the past five years. Go to bringingamericabacktolife.org now or call 440-653-5245, 440-653-5245.
3: In the Army National Guard, soldiers serve part-time and close to home.
4: My community means everything to me. It helps shape me into who I am today and is where I choose to raise my own family. That's why I joined the Army National Guard. I'm proud of where I'm from, and as a soldier, I get to give back to the people that helped me succeed. The education benefits I got from serving helped me get my degree and jumpstart my career. The training and leadership skills I've gained from the Army National Guard help me every day when I teach young people, help my neighbors, and look out for my community. I know that when my neighbors need us the most, my fellow soldiers and I will be ready. My family loves it here, and my part-time service means we get to stay here.
3: Serve part-time in the community you live in as a proud member of the Army National Guard Talk to your local recruiter or visit NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Ohio Army National Guard. Aired by the Ohio Association of Broadcasters and this station.
1: Well, we want to tell you about a prayer for the nation. That is the D-Day Prayer Edition that is now open to the public there in Washington, D.C. This has been an 11-year project of the Ohio Christian Alliance and Christian Alliance of America, our national organization. And we want to thank each of you for praying with us over the years, uh, actually sending in contributions to help us keep going. And, of course, we had to get it through Congress. In 2014, we did, by an act of Congress, that the prayer in its entirety would be added on a plaque there at the World War II Memorial. We then began the fundraising phase, the architectural design and placement of the prayer at the Circle of Remembrance. And so... A lot of work went into this over the years, and we really never thought we would get there. There was a lot of hurdles along the way, and of course, one of them was the cost. As small donations came in from across the country and here in Ohio, we still were nowhere near the 2 or $3 million needed for the upgrade of the Circle Remembrance and, of course, the addition of the prayer itself. But thankfully, a few years ago, uh, to put us over the top, the Lilly Endowment, uh, gave a $2 million grant for the project. And, of course, that was a hallelujah moment. <laughs> that was a really uh, big moment when that money came in. So now it was just about getting down to the final design. And I'm telling you, it's a beautiful addition there in Washington. And, of course, we did weigh in in the committees of uh, the Fine Arts Commission and also the National Capital Planning Commission uh, of how the prayer should be placed and designed with the Circle of Remembrance. So we were very much involved with this all along the way, with Senator Portman and, of course, Congressman Bill Johnson. Well, Sylvia and I had the opportunity uh, just, uh, again, uh, 10 days ago to go down there. On January 17th, it was officially open to the public, although there was no official announcement by the U.S. Park Service. We were notified by Congressman Bill Johnson's office that the prayer was now open. So we got down there on that Saturday. Well, we got there about two in the afternoon, and uh, we went up and really didn't know what we were going to be thinking and feeling when we worked on this project for so long and to see it, but we like what they've done with the amendment of uh, making, uh, put the title on it, A Prayer for the Nation. So let me read to you from our uh, script of our encounter there at the Circle of Remembrance with the Prayers Edition. While viewing the prayer for the first time and taking some pictures, we waited to watch people come by and read the prayer. We first met a family from North Carolina, the Joneses. We told them the story of the prayer and the 11 year journey it took to get it in the ground and complete it. They were thrilled to learn the story. Then we met uh, Skylar, a teenager from Minnesota, with her parents. We watched as Skylar told her parents that she wanted to read the prayer aloud. She thought she was interrupting us, and I told her no. You're the reason why this prayer is here. It's to learn about our national history. And Skyler, after she finished reading the prayer, we told her and her parents how it all came about. Her father thanked me and asked, what made you want to do this? What does the prayer mean to you? I told him that it is here for the honor of the greatest generation, as it will keep telling their story of commitment and sacrifice to the cause of freedom. The day was getting late as we watched more and more people come to read the prayer. I didn't really know how I would feel on this day after seeing the prayer for the first time after so many years of working on this project, wondering if it would ever get done. I thought about all the veterans we met over the years who have since passed on, men who had encouraged us to keep on going and get it done. Now I realize that it is in the quiet reading of this national prayer that the reader will come to understand that it was not by the strength of arms alone that the ultimate victory over the unholy forces of tyranny was secured for us, but rather our reliance upon Almighty God that secured for us a lasting peace, a peace invulnerable to the schemings of unworthy men, and a peace that will let all men live in freedom, reaping the just rewards of their honest toil. Thy will be done, Almighty God. Now, this national prayer will keep telling the story for generations to come, and then I just encourage you, next time you're in Washington, visit the D-Day Prayer Edition at the World War II Memorial. Take some pictures and post them up on Facebook and on social media. We'd love to see them. Well, we're just so thrilled about the prayer being open to the public, and so more and more people coming and discovering it. And when you go and you read the prayer, take time to pray for our nation. That is so important, and it's in a great place. It's a prayer among the monuments in the Circle of Remembrance. Read the prayer, and then pray a prayer for our nation, and we are so desperate in need of that right now. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land, Second Chronicles seven fourteen. And so we our prayer is that people will do just that when they go to read the d-day prayer that historical, wonderful presidential prayer that was prayed with the nation on the day of the d-day landings when the conflict was still in question, yet the president asked for the people to pray. we need to pray for our leaders right now. This is a time in our nation where there's so much confusion and so much evil that's going on. Uh, we got word today of an event in Wadsworth, which is a Drag queen event at a local business and people were uproar in the city of Wadsworth over that. You may be hearing some more about it, but I'm also hear rumors now that so many people have spoken out against it. They're considering canceling the event. Thank God for that. This business of uh, confusing our young people about their gender and their God assigned gender, and uh, you know, folks, we are in it in this country right now. I'm telling you, we're in a spiritual battle. We need to stay alert. Well, that's what we do at the Ohio Christian Alliance, is try to bring you the news stories and the policy uh, stories and reports out of Washington and Columbus that are important to you on this program. We're going to have a number of guests over the year that uh, will bring you important news items and policy uh, positions and reports from Capitol Hill and from Columbus, Ohio, that are going to be... You're going to need. And of course, this ballot measure that the pro aborts are going to try to push on the Ohio ballot and throwing us into being a full abortion state, we cannot allow that to happen on our watch. We must defend the unborn. And that's what we do with the Ohio Christian Alliance. Well, we need your financial support. And we ask you, if you're listening to the program, to visit our website, ohioca.org, or just search Ohio Christian Alliance. There's a red donate button right at the top there. If you'd make a contribution of any size, we'd appreciate it. Helps us stay on the broadcast channel here. You can hear us each Tuesday evenings at 7 p.m. right here on WHKW, 1220 a.m. Also, uh, Wednesdays at 1.30 and Saturdays at 5 p.m. Well, we hope that you'll continue to listen and uh Uh, Support the broadcast as we continue this year because we're going to need to be watchmen on the wall. Well, my next guest uh, will be Greg Lawson, and we're going to talk about the State House State of the State Address that Governor DeWine delivered last week and the breakdown on the issues of the expansion of school choice, uh, dealing with uh, mental health issues, and uh, other issues that the governor talked about, economic expansion in the state of Ohio. We need to pray for our governor. We need to pray for all those who. Uh, service and public office that God would grant them wisdom, and we need to be vigilant of the times in which we live. So, again, I want to thank you for listening to News and Focus, again brought to you each week at this same time. And visit our website at ohioca.org and sign up to our email list there as well. That's the best way for us to communicate with you on an ongoing basis is to receive the emails from the Ohio Christian Alliance. And if you have any questions, you can phone us at 330-887-1922. Again, that's 330-887-1922. Thanks for listening. Stand by. We'll be with Greg Lawson on the other side of the break uh, from the Buckeye Institute talking about state policy at the State of the State Address.
2: This is Molly Smith, president of Cleveland Right to Life and chair of the annual Bringing America Back to Life Convention. This two day event will be held on March 10th and 11th at the Embassy Suites in Independence, Ohio. This Cleveland Right to Life stellar event returns to welcome national and international heroes, such as Seth Dillon, CEO and editor in chief of the online news giant, the Babylon Bee, that brings humor to the news through satire. Kristen Hawkins, she joins us to recount her powerful experiences as a grassroots activist. Jack Posovic, Senior Editor of Human Events. This culture-changing educational event has become a benchmark for the local, state and national pro-life and pro-family movement, as it is here that we pave the way back to life through prayer, action, voting and education. Help us to bring America back to life on March 10th and 11th at the Embassy Suites in Independence. For a complete list of presenters, tickets and booth registrations, go to bringingamericabacktolife.org. That's bringingamericabacktolife.org. Hurry, tickets are limited and are going fast.
3: In the Army National Guard, soldiers serve part-time and close to home.
4: My community means everything to me. It helps shape me into who I am today and is where I choose to raise my own family. That's why I joined the Army National Guard. I'm proud of where I'm from. And as a soldier, I get to give back to the people that helped me succeed. The education benefits I got from serving helped me get my degree and jumpstart my career. The training and leadership skills I've gained from the Army National Guard help me every day when I teach young people, help my neighbors, and look out for my community. I know that when my neighbors need us the most, my fellow soldiers and I will be ready. My family loves it here and my part-time service means we get to stay here.
3: Serve part-time in the community you live in as a proud member of the Army National Guard. Talk to your local recruiter or visit nationalguard.com. Sponsored by the Ohio Army National Guard, aired by the Ohio Association of Broadcasters and this station. The following is a previously aired broadcast.
0: Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long.
1: And welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. We're going to be talking about the State of the State address that Governor DeWine delivered today at the Ohio Statehouse. And I'm actually reporting to you from Columbus. And with me on the phone is Greg Lawson, Senior Research Fellow at the Buckeye Institute. And actually, we're coming to you from the Buckeye Institute here in their offices in downtown Columbus. Uh, Governor DeWine, of course, uh, delivered his annual State of the State Address uh, to both uh, chambers. That's uh, a joint uh, session of the Ohio House and the Ohio Senate. And the governor lays out his plan, obviously newly elected uh, for his second term, Governor DeWine, and the 131st, is it, uh, General Assembly. Um, Greg, do I have that right or is it the 135th? I think it's actually 135. 135th. One
5: thirty-five.
1: okay. Okay. Of uh, this uh, Grand Ohio uh, in the General Assembly and the government that functions for our state. Well, the governor laid out a number of things today. He talked about reading for our youngsters as they've been falling behind in the proficiency rates during COVID. Uh, Students have fallen woefully behind on their track for uh, graduation. And one of the primary concerns of primary level education is the reading skills. They're not up to their grade level in reading. So he addressed that problem. Uh, Also, he talked about the successful program that Mrs. DeWine launched with Dolly Parton, and that was about getting books in the hands of children. And he announced that they were able to uh, ship out 10 million books to families across Ohio for reading, uh, fun reading for the children. And that's actually been a productive program. Uh, But anyways, he did lay out a number of programs today, and members of the General Assembly, of course, are going to be mauling that over. I also want to update you, as we've reported in this program, the division within the Ohio General Assembly, specifically the House, as the newly elected Speaker Stevens uh, was only elected by a minority of Republicans, only 22, 32 Democrats. So uh, the Democrats elected this speaker, which is 67 House seats went to the Republicans, got a lot of people scratching their heads. So the 45 and the 22 are going on a retreat, as it were. Okay. (laughs) Right after today's uh, state of the state. They're off to the Mohican uh, campgrounds, and they're going to be at the lodge there. They're going to be in a two-day retreat. We'll see what comes out of there. But let's break it down with our analyst. Uh, that's Greg Lawson of the Buckeye Institute. Greg, welcome to the program.
5: Hey, thanks for having me as always.
1: Well, Greg, tell me what you heard today from the governor. We'll break it down. Um, Why don't you tell us a little bit about what he was talking about, because I know it's near and dear to your heart, in education, about what's happening with our children. You deem it an actual crisis, I agree with you, of how the students have fallen behind uh, in their track for uh, graduation because of COVID, uh, the out-of-school activity and where they fell behind on their studies on a multitude of um, uh, study programs, but reading is so basic in the elementary grade levels i mean you just really can't advance without having reading skills your thoughts
5: Well, absolutely. And I think that on that, the governor nailed some things that were very positive. Uh, He even mentioned uh, by name phonics, uh, for example, was something that he referred to specifically and referring to uh, evidence, essentially uh, scientific and evidence-based ways of of ensuring literacy. Um, So I think that there's, uh, we'll be curious to see exactly where they want to put some of the funding into that. But I think that that makes sense. He's right. Literacy is a key thing uh we've had some some debate in this state in recent months regarding what's called the third grade reading guarantee uh which is basically uh if if a student's not able to read uh coherently uh, by the time they get out of third grade they there's a variety of different interventions that can happen up to and including even holding a a student back so that they can uh, go ahead and get the skills they need to be able to be successful as they move up into the higher grades Uh, there's been some efforts to actually try to cut that back, to actually weaken that. Uh, And I think that's uh, not a good thing because that actually puts students at a real disadvantage. It might be better for some of the schools or easier for some of the schools and to, to meet certain metrics uh, that the state uh, has in place uh, to make things look good. But at the end of the day, it's not about what looks good. It's about what is good and what is good for the students in terms of being able to have a successful life. And uh, literacy is uh, an elemental aspect of that. So definitely the governor, I think, was was on target with that. And that, that's, that's a, a positive uh, comment there. And he was Also, I thought, very uh, positive on uh, school choice uh, issues as well, which is something that we've spent a lot of years at the Buckeye Institute uh, doing research on and and describing the benefits of it, and I've worked with a lot of different organizations that promote school choice in the state of Ohio. And I think the governor did say some very good things uh, in that space.
1: So let's talk about that for a minute, about school choice, because, of course, uh, the reading initiative by the governor actually received applause from both sides of the aisle on that one. So that was both Democrat and Republicans really applauded the governor on his uh, interest in that to see it, it move forward. Uh, but when it comes to school choice, of course, uh, it's really in the details. Now, he did talk about expanding school choice, which did receive a rounding applause from the Republicans and the conservatives now, there is a bill out there called the backpack bill, and that would actually be like other states where the money follows the child. In other words, it's a total school choice model and program in which each student can take the money that's allotted to them by the state and pick either a public, private or, um, you know, charter school to be able to uh, seek their education as long as it's, uh, you know, registered in that sense and accredited. Um, that you know the governor didn't announce that but he did announce uh, an expansion of school choice explain
5: yeah what he basically said is that, that we would take what is the largest current voucher program that the state of Ohio has which is called Ed Choice and uh Head choice, actually, there's actually technically two different vouchers. One is based on uh, the performance of the school building that a student is assigned based on where they live, and then there's another one that's based on income. So if you're not eligible under what is functionally uh, you have a poor-performing school building, you could earn or get a voucher to go to a private school. Uh, that used to be how the only way that you could get one, and then they expanded it back when Kasich was governor uh, to also do income eligible. So what uh, the governor, DeWine, has now proposed is to expand the eligibility uh, from I believe it's 250% right now is the eligible uh, of the what they call the Federal Poverty Guideline. So it's two and a half times what is the bare minimum for, for being considered in poverty. Uh, so anybody up to that could get an Ed Choice uh, voucher right now. But under what the governor said in the state of state, they would expand it to 400 percent, which is a very big uh, expansion. It would make many, many more families uh, eligible to be able to get a voucher. Uh, And so that's actually a really good thing. Now, it is not what Backpack is. Uh, There's also a proposal uh, in the Senate, uh, Senate Bill 11 from Senator Sandy O'Brien, that would uh, actually get away uh, with do away with any of the income uh, eligibility and basically make it broad-based and essentially uh, universal. Uh, So there's a number of things out there that I think are, are even broader than what the governor proposed. However, and I think that that's something we're going to be talking an awful lot about with uh, the legislators is talking about why we need to make this as broad-based as possible. We really need to empower parents for a whole host of reasons. And one of them, and probably paramount among them at the moment, is making sure that parents can get options to deal with what their students need at their level. And if their school's not getting the school's not closing the learning loss that people have suffered as a result of all those COVID school closures, uh, then a, a parents should be able to find a different alternative to be able to uh, Uh, do what is necessary to close those gaps because that's really what's good for the kid. Um, I think what the governor proposed is very, very positive uh, I think we should do more than that, frankly, and we're going to certainly suggest that. But the good news about what the governor has said is that that's a clear signal that he is open to continuing to expand opportunities for families. And while we'd like to see it be even broader than what the governor proposed, uh, the fact that he did propose something that is that is actually, to be fair, very dramatic and, and, is, and it is a significant expansion is a good sign uh, that we can move that particular policy forward. And so I think that's a, a cause for optimism for anybody who believes that parents have the right to be able to choose uh, where their students go to school and should be able to get some of the resources that they have to pay in taxes back to be able to have that sort of uh, option available to them. governor talked about a number of things. Uh, He talked about housing
1: and making more affordable housing to Ohioans and uh, actually restructuring how we uh, save for down payments on homes and all that. Uh, of course, that's pretty lengthy just to go by memory here. I didn't really take notes, but uh, it was kind of a shotgun of a number of issues. But one of the things he talked about was like economic development. He talked about the Intel, which is there um, in uh, is that is uh, Franklin. No, it's uh, what county is that in just uh, north of uh, Franklin County? Where? Licking What's County. What's that? Licking County. Licking County. Yeah, that's right, where Newark is. Um, Thinking about the county seat, Newark. But um, so obviously, Intel is coming in. But he said, okay. So what do we do for the rest of the state? He, he hears from people. So what about our what about our locale? What about our region? What about economic development here? He says, as we talk to businesses that would like to come to Ohio because of the resources that we have here, uh, they want to know if there's ready-made uh, facilities already that they can begin construction on new facilities. In other words, having roads and Uh, electric and, uh, you know, plumbing, obviously, and sewer and all that. Uh, So he talked about economic zones being expanded throughout the state. Uh, It's a great uh, suggestion or plan, but how is that actually implemented? Greg, what were your thoughts when the governor talked about uh, economic development regionally, expanding that throughout uh, Ohio?
5: Well, you know, I I think he's right that we need to be able to do more than just have Central Ohio be the basic location where all the economic growth in the state is happening. And if you actually look at the numbers, uh, Central Ohio, the areas around Franklin County, uh, the, the immediate counties that surround Franklin County and the Columbus area are the areas that have the most job growth. They're the areas that have the most population growth. So they are doing very well and having intel put down roots in that general area is going to continue to make sure that this area of the state is you know, really, really doing well. But when you look outside of that area, outside of uh, basically the southwest portion of the state, Hamilton County, Warren County, uh, and some of those areas down there, Butler a little bit, uh the rest of the state is frankly not doing very well at all in fact in some places it's practically hemorrhaging uh population and not having the kind of job growth we want to see and this is a long standing problem for the state of Ohio so i think the governor certainly in his speech today acknowledged that that is a, that that is a challenge and that trying to create some more regional uh locations for businesses to be able to sort of congregate at and create ready made job sites for example so that businesses can kind of come into the state of Ohio, and they'll already have uh, infrastructure and utilities ready to go so they can get plugged in rather than having to wait uh, to build out infrastructure for whatever type of facility they might want to come in with. Uh, it, it makes some sense, but I would I would be a little bit careful, too, that, uh, w- that it, it it seems a little bit like a lot of what we hear for years about economic development policy in the state of Ohio, which is kind of a we want to capture the big guys. We want to capture the big businesses that you can do the big ribbon-cutting ceremonies and will create you know several hundred or a thousand or more jobs in one pop. Obviously, those are good things to have happen. Everybody would like to see that, and it's good. And so don't misunderstand me uh, when I say the following. Uh, those are, are, are jobs that we want to get. But a lot of net job creation, uh, not just in Ohio but around the country, comes from smaller businesses, smaller businesses that are new, that are growing, Sometimes it's the mom-and-pop shops on Main Street, Ohio, uh, and a lot of times it's also the kind of jobs uh, that are created in a business that might take a few years to scale up. Uh, but those are where you see a lot of the long time, long-term long growth. And and I think one of the things that we continue to have a challenge of in Ohio is trying to create a framework of policy that is fair for everybody, no matter what size of business you are. Uh, a lot of what i heard the governor talk about is probably very good for bigger businesses uh for the big kind of folks who want to come in and get that big headline and the big pop and those are good again but we need a framework that is healthy for everybody because at the end of the day you can create a lot of these big companies but you know times change technology changes automation happens things like that you get you know a thousand jobs uh that open up here one day Five years later, you might be down to 750 jobs, maybe 500 jobs, uh, because things change. What you really need is a is a steady ability to create new businesses over time that will constantly be hiring people at, at the smaller level, but over time, and as more of them get created, that's where you build out the total job creation. And I didn't hear... As much I agree with about you on that.
1: small business, and that's right. I didn't hear that much about small business, and I agree with yeah. you about the importance of small business. But, uh, you know, I think what the governor was saying there, too, when we talk about the population of Ohio is really stagnated. We've been at 11 and for a number of years now. We just lost another congressional seat. In fact, over the, last, over the last 40 years, we've lost eight congressional seats. When I started voting, we had 23 congressional districts. We now have 15. And I think that the governor was looking at that. We've got to keep Ohioans here. One of the initiatives that he announced was of the top 5% of high school graduates would be entitled or could apply for a $5,000 grant for college if they did their education at a university or college in the state of
5: Ohio. What came to mind when he uh, announced that initiative, Greg? Well, uh, again, I think it's important. We do have a brain drain in the state of Ohio. A lot of young people uh, don't stay in the state of Ohio. This obviously is sort of trying to create a different set of incentives so that uh, Ohioans will, uh, first of all, make sure they do get their degrees here in Ohio. And because we're we're doing that, you know, you're going to get this talent pool. Um, the one thing, so I think there's some, some some positive aspects there. But the one thing I'm I'd be a little cautious about is just because somebody does go ahead and finish their degree here doesn't mean inherently they're going to stay here, which kind of gets back to the previous conversation. We really need to think about tax policy and overall regulatory policy uh, because we need to be creating jobs and distributed across the state, too, for all the reasons we were talking about, in order to to have the things there available for people to take. So uh, I think that what we really need to be focusing in on is how we fund higher education uh, and try to make sure that the money that we're spending in higher education has a better outcomes-based sort of approach. Uh, We should be paying for performance of universities and community colleges too. Uh, Are they getting uh, degrees or certificates or things like that that are actually in demand and get people employed in jobs today? And are they jobs that can pay back any debt that an individual might have accrued? I think that's a good way of looking at it. Uh, I I think we'd have to look a little bit more at how much it's going to cost as to whether or not that's what the governor was talking about is the right way to spend some of those higher ed dollars. Uh, I think uh, on first blush, it's understandable why he would do that, but I think that, you know, how do you guarantee that some of those people don't just take that and then leave the state anyway, which does happen already uh, for some people who take advantage of university life here in the state of Ohio. So what is it that's going to make sure that people want to stay here? And I think that's making sure we have jobs, and not just the big board board jobs, but jobs across the board and across the state uh, at all different levels. And so uh, I I think that uh, while there were some good things in there, and I understand where they're coming from, I I think that we need to also think a little bit more about how do we direct all of our higher education spending in in a direction that aligns uh, the education with what the employers need today. Uh, so that they're getting the skills that the employers need. Those jobs can then be filled, and when somebody gets the degree uh, here in Ohio, they have the job here in Ohio to be able to uh, take advantage of that so that then they obviously would stay.
3: In the Army National Guard, soldiers serve part-time and close to home.
4: My community means everything to me. It helps shape me into who I am today and is where I choose to raise my own family. That's why I joined the Army National Guard. I'm proud of where I'm from, and as a soldier, I get to give back to the people that helped me succeed. The education benefits I got from serving helped me get my degree and jumpstart my career. The training and leadership skills I've gained from the Army National Guard help me every day when I teach young people, help my neighbors, and look out for my community. I know that when my neighbors need us the most, my fellow soldiers and I will be ready. My family loves it here. And my part-time service means we get to stay here.
3: Serve part-time in the community you live in as a proud member of the Army National Guard. Talk to your local recruiter or visit nationalguard.com. Sponsored by the Ohio Army National Guard. Aired by the Ohio Association of Broadcasters and this station.
2: Join us on March 10th and 11th for the Bringing America Back to Life Convention, the largest pro-life education convention in the nation. This two-day event, sponsored by the Kurtz Brothers, will be held in Independence, Ohio. Our lineup includes such pro-life heroes as the Babylon Bees, Seth Dillon, Kristen Hawkins from Students for Life, Star Parker, Jack Berserbic from Human Events, Alex Schattenberg from Canada, and many more. For more information, go to BringingAmericaBackToLife.org or call 440-653-5245. That's BringingAmericaBackToLife.org. This event has. Become a benchmark for positive changes. Together, we face the human rights challenges confronting our culture.
1: One of the things that the governor talked about, and I know you've got to get going because uh, you have another appointment, but the, uh, the, the uh, ch- uh, job training and career tech. Uh, I like that he talked about that, the trades, in other words, and how we're going to develop that. Uh, a lot of schools already have technical schools, and he said he wants to expand that with better facilities.
5: Uh, what what were your thoughts along those lines? That makes sense. Uh, I think that that makes an awful lot of sense. I think that we are finally, uh, and it's been a long time coming. We spent a lot of time in America and in Ohio too, talking about you know the only way, the only ticket to success is a four year degree and. A four year degree or higher than that can be a ticket to success, but it is not inherently a ticket to success. There are actually multiple pathways that can lead to very fulfilling jobs that have very right. good income potential and We need to be able to look at embracing all of those. I think career tech centers i mean that, that used to be a big thing both in Ohio and other states, and we kind of went a little bit away from it and it was actually a kind of a cultural shift. I think what you're seeing now is a cultural shift back. Uh, and I think that's something that the governor is right on and is right to continue to promote is that uh, there are these other options. Uh, it's not to say that a four-year degree might not be right for you. It might absolutely be the right thing for you, but it might not be the right thing, too. And we shouldn't try to shoehorn people into that because that's what gets people taking out too much debt and then not being able to crawl out from underneath the debt and start their lives uh, or be able to buy homes and get married and have kids and do all the stuff that we know are challenges for a lot of young people these days because of crushing debt. Well, a lot of that's because we told them that they had to go get a four-year degree, and lo and behold, they either couldn't complete the four-year degree or they did get a four-year degree in something that doesn't get them the jobs that they need at the income levels they need to be able to pay back the debt that they had incurred. Uh, So what the governor talked about with career and tech centers is a way to – Alleviate some of that and to right size our approach to how we uh, uh, create the opportunities for people to get skills that they need to get again jobs that are in demand now. A lot of jobs today, you got a lot of jobs at something as, as big and attractive as Intel they 're not going to be four year jobs they may not even be two year associate degrees. they might be uh, technical certifications in particular types of things, and you get that, and then, in a couple of years, you might have to get a different technical certification as technology changes and you kind of stack your credentials upon each other that 's the kind of stuff uh that is going to be very very helpful to a good chunk of students and I think we really need to look at that, so I think the governor deserves credit uh, uh, credit for that i mean there's a lot of good stuff in the state of the state. I think that the overall takeaway and concern that I, we have is that that there's you know we didn't get a chance to talk about it, but there was a lot of talk about mental health and funding for helping in the mental health space. There's an awful lot of, of funding <laughs> uh, that's out there. There's a lot of spending. Well, that's that's
1: what those. i was saying. There was a, there was a lot of spending today talked about, and the governor of the state. And I, you've got to cut somewhere to spend in another area. We'll talk about that on a future. We need program. to prioritize. We're talking with Greg. Lo- That's right. We need to prioritize. Uh, We're talking with Greg Lawson, the Buckeye Institute. And, uh, Greg, we know that you're going to be in the thick of this as they break things down for this uh, uh, budget. Again, they're going to be coming together in the next couple of weeks to work on the state budget. So we're going to have you back on to give some more details on this. So thanks so much. Thank you. That was Greg Lawson of the Buckeye Institute. And, uh, of course, they are a public policy group in uh, Columbus, Ohio, and uh, they give a lot of analysis on policy. You're listening to News and Focus, a broadcast of the Ohio Christian Alliance, and today uh, we have the opportunity to be at the State of the State Address. The governor announced a number of initiatives, and we'll have a link to that on our website at OhioCA.org. But again, let's address the elephant in the room. We still have a divided house where we have the 22 members that voted with the newly elected speaker, but a majority of Democrats voted for him, and he's already delivered for them uh, one of the items that they wanted, the 60 percent threshold, will not be on the May ballot because the clock has run out. To the glee and delight of the Democrats, that that will not be on the May ballot. Uh, whether that will get done in the next number of months uh, to be put on the November ballot remains to be seen. And yet there's the big question, what will Planned Parenthood and NARAL do when it comes to putting a ballot initiative on the Ohio ballot, a constitutional amendment uh, on the Ohio ballot that would um, codify abortion rights into law in Ohio, throwing out all of our pro-life gains over the last 40 years. I talked to uh, representatives and senators today who are so concerned about this, all the work that's been done done here over the years in Columbus to safeguard the unborn with pro-life legislation, including the heartbeat bill. Uh, would go off the books if NARAL and Planned Parenthood and the abortion uh, activists have their way and legalize, codify uh, abortion into law in our state constitution. So beware and be alert. We're going to give you a lot of information about that in the coming weeks. Uh, We're probably going to hear this week of what the language is that they're proposing to put on the ballot whether it's going to be in the November of 2023 or the fall of 2024. That remains to be seen as well. They'll have to do a signature campaign, and we encourage you, do not sign a petition that is asking for abortion to go on the ballot. That's the first thing, making sure that your family members are aware of that and not sign that petition, helping them get to the ballot before, uh, that we don't need to do that. We need to safeguard the unborn. So, again, all this information is on our website. Uh, at OhioCA.org, or just search Ohio Christian Alliance. And thank you for listening today, and God bless you, and we'll talk to you soon.
0: You have been listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at OhioCA.org. That's OhioCA.org. Thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio.